Welcome to TA1, everything you want to know about adventure racing and then some. I'm your host, legendary Randy Erickson, here semi-late at night getting this done, being quiet because I have a wife and a dog that are almost asleep. So we'll make this short and quick. So this is the uh, <clears throat> interview I did a few weeks ago before I went to Belize with Elizabeth um, talking about uh, coast to coast and other various things. I think it's a little bit uh, timeless, so it should be good. It was a fun conversation and, uh, you know, always, always fun talking about people and bucket list items. So um, that's it. Other than um, today, which just comes out, 314, Pi Day. And also, twenty um, seventh anniversary. Uh, people probably wonder how Paulette puts up with me, but I don't know. I'm kind of a nice guy once in a while. Anyway, got a one crazy bird, one sleeping bird. So uh, let's go on with the show. Go fast. Take chances. Thanks for listening. Hi, Randy. Ah, uh, you're there. Yes. It works again. <laughs> yes. So, well, I had, How are you? I am doing good, except it's the middle of winter here, and it's actually cold and snowy, and I'm ready for it to warm up tomorrow. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, I can't decide if it's better or worse that I have all these friends that I see um, doing all these warm things in Australia and New Zealand and South America while I'm freezing, so... But well, well, you, you've got friends there because you can always go and visit them in warmer weather. Uh, I wish. <laughs> well, I shouldn't say that because I'm leaving for Belize in about ten days, so <laughs> that'll. Uh, I'll, and that's likely to be pretty hot, I imagine. Um. Yeah. Last two years ago when we were there, it was not hot, hot. I think one day, the last day, it was hot, hot, but. You know, like 90 and humid. Otherwise, it was kind of reasonable. And we froze yep. one night, sitting out all night on some ancient, on some Mayan ruins. Uh. But, <laughs> you know how that goes, sitting, waiting for you adventure racers to show up, and you never show up. We always take our time, yep. Yep, yep. So, um, Are you recovered yet? Um, oh, I'm getting there. Yeah, I had a nice... Um, massage this morning and then a bit of a stretch out at the gym um, before some brunch with some friends but um, yeah it's, I'm certainly getting better each day so that's good yeah so I suppose um, we should tell the people what you're recovering from so you tell them you talk nobody wants yeah, to hear me <laughs> well, um, I'm back in Australia now but uh, just a couple of days ago I was over in New Zealand for the um yeah, the very iconic coast-to-coast -coast race, um, which, yeah, was my first time doing it, and it's been on my bucket list for a long time, I think. Um, so, yeah, this year was finally the year that I knuckled down and uh, got all the logistics sorted and everything fell in place so that I could do it, which was, um, yeah, really good. Yeah, it was an amazing event, actually. I really, really loved it. So definitely, um, yeah. definitely one to do. Why um, Why is it so iconic? Is it like because it goes from coast to coast or there's all the people or everybody just wants to do it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a few things. It's certainly, yeah, New Zealand is a lovely place to go and the race itself goes through some pretty um, stunning places. So the I guess the two main things are the mountain run up and over Goats Pass. Um, it's really a lot of basically you're just running up this valley it's not not really a trail for a lot of it um it's a lot of rock hopping and and river crossings and that so that's pretty pretty spectacular area to go and then the other sort of really attractive part of the race is that you have a um 67k kayak down the Wymac river down the down the gorge there um and that's sort of grade two rapids um and that's yeah that's another sort of yeah. big 
big highlight for the race. I think as well, the race has been going for, yeah, a lot of, lot of years, uh, I think over 30 plus years. Um, And so it's got that history to it. uh, And, you know, lots of people that I've raced against before have done it. And and when you have an event that goes for that many years, you know, it, it does develop a bit of a history to it. So... Yeah, I've, you know, I've read um, a couple of books about people doing it. Um, and so, yeah, it just it has that, um, yeah, that iconic nature about it, I guess. Yeah. So how many how many do the single day and how many do the two day, roughly? Oh, I'm, I'm probably going to be a little bit out here, but I think that was rough. This is the um, biggest number of people that have had do it over the last 10 years. So I think it's sold out. Um, oh. There was probably about, I think, roughly a thousand, and probably about maybe two hundred do the longest day, and the rest do the two day. Um, there's some teams that will do the two day as well, or you can do it as a tandem. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, there's some time cutoffs if you're going to do the longest day. So you need to sort of, if you're going to do the longest day, you want to make sure that you can fall inside those cut off so that you don't yeah yeah so that you get to finish so um i i happen to know you did pretty well so how did you finish and how long did it take you um i finished in eighth place um and it was about 14 and 14 hours 20 something i think um and it, yeah i think this year the women's race was an excellent field to race against there was yeah, some really high-class athletes in there. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sort of a bit starstruck racing with them and against them, you know, and beside them. So that was pretty exciting. Um, and, yeah, it's a good good competition and good to sort of pick yourself against, um, you know, the best in the world, really. They sort of – it is touted as a world multi-sport championship. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's a, it's a good event. Yeah. And I think in the last, you know, it's sort of always been – historically a little bit tough for international athletes to come across mm-hmm. um, but in the last few years Richard Usher um, who this is his last year as a race director but um, you know the course the run course is now much better like it's, it's marked mm-hmm. um, and so in the past you know stories that I've heard is that there's quite a lot of shortcuts that you can take um, so local knowledge is quite important so obviously international athletes it's quite difficult to train on the course yeah. and the the river itself as well you know there's um, depending on the flow levels which can vary quite significantly different routes that you can take and um, you know you want to know where some of the bigger rapids are and you know there's a few little shortcuts as well that you can take if the river levels are a bit lower um, so yeah it sort of does help to know the course I think yeah so how do you um i'm guessing then probably the the tough part is reading the river Did, how do you deal with that not having any knowledge were you able to pre-run it or you just yeah, so Google I maps? Went over, <laughs> yeah i went over um with in uh, middle of december last year mm-hmm. and uh, there's a group uh, top sport kayaking that they run sort of some guided trips and that's who i hired my boat through as well and so I managed to do a guided trip down the gorge with them um, one of the days. And then there was a, um, a classic river race, which is run on the coast-to-coast course of like, the river leg of it. Um, mm-hmm. So I did that last year. So I had two goes down the river last year. And then um, I came over sort of a week early for this race and had another um, trip down the gorge as well just to see what it was like in the flow was um yeah it was a bit higher the first time i did it this this year the week before the race but on race day it had dropped a little bit so yeah it's always a little bit different and then and that's probably um quite good practice in terms of just learning how to read the river and i certainly felt like my whitewater skills increased from those trips i guess it's sort of different the rivers that we have in australia don't have that volume of flow and so we wouldn't normally paddle the multi-sport type boats down our whitewater rivers. We'd often paddle more um, 
plastic sort of things because we know they're going to pinball off off rocks more and, and um, there's just not the same volume of flow. So it's quite a unique unique river, really. Yeah, which adds so to the attraction of doing the event. Yeah, but it does. So, and then uh, it makes it really hard to get out of the kayak when you're done, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and that's the you know. Um, you're allowed to have support crew at each of the transitions um, and and they certainly help a lot and particularly the second last leg is the long kayak and then the last leg is a 70 kilometer bike so your support crew basically lift you out of the kayak and keep hold of you until your legs start working again and then um, help to get you up the hill to grab your bike and then get on the bike for the last ride so yeah it's certainly yeah, I knew that was going to be um, a tricky transition. But even, you know, there's lots of time-saving uh, techniques for your support crew at other transitions. Um, and, you know, you, you sort of hear about a few of them from other people that have done the race. So, mm-hmm. you know, often my support crew would... And I had my um, sister, Bernadette, and a friend, Callum, who were support crewing for me. And they'd often meet me and... You know, she would be wearing my helmet that I'd need for the bike ride and she'd yeah. have, you know, a top tied around her waist that I was going to put on. And so as I took stuff off, she'd put it on and then I'd, you know, swap clothes with her basically. So we were always moving forward through mm. the transitions. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you're being fed as you go and that sort of thing. So, yeah, it's, it's quite a um, – there's lots of strategies because it's evolved over so many years that people are trying to save those – Sort a few of, um, seconds. Yeah, I mean, it makes a difference. The, the first leg is a, a 2.2k sprint from the beach mm. um, up to Coomera Junction. And that's normally, you know, a red line to your deadline type sprint because the next leg is a 55k road bike and drafting is allowed. So obviously you want to be up the front so you get a quick bunch. Mm. Um, so, you know, people will often have some foot plates on their pedals so that they don't have to get into cycle shoes. They can just strap their runners onto their shoes so that yeah. saves those few seconds, which might be the difference between making the bunch and not making the bunch that you need to. And yeah. then if you're in the, if you're in a good bunch, you know, then it, that, that first ride is actually quite, quite cruisy and, and not too bad. Yeah. So... You do 55, 50, 55K on the bike, and then, then how long is the trail run? And then it's a 33K trail run, um, and as I said, it's quite um, a lot of rock climbing and rock hopping and sort of very difficult to get a good rhythm. Um, mm. And then after the that mountain run, then you go into um, a short little 15K bike ride, um, which has got a few little pinchy hills on it. And then from that, you have a, a 1K run down to the start of the kayak. Then you're into the kayak for the 67 kilometre through the, through the gorge. And then um, the last ride is 70K. So it's about, I think it's all up about 243Ks of, of the three disciplines. Well, yeah, that uh, sounds easy. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's called the longest day for a reason, I guess. Yeah, it does. What um, what is the crux of the race? Do you think what what's uh, yeah? Well, I mean, I think the mountain run and the kayak are probably the two crux ones. But everybody has different strengths, and um, Robin Owen from South Africa won this year. Um, and last year, she was her first year doing it, and she got um, ridden down in the last... So she was leading up until the last bike leg um, when Alina Usher overtook her. So, you know, historically, the person who has the fastest run and kayak time wins the race, but last year, it was um, the person who rode a bit quicker. So mm. yeah, it depends on your strengths, I think. Yeah. Um, what you can... Yeah, last year you can't, was... you can't really win it in the first leg, but you could certainly lose it. You yeah. know. So. Yeah. So were you able to? Were you in the front group on the bike on the first one? Yeah. So the um, 
the females normally try to make that that second bunch. So yeah, I ma- managed to make the second bunch with um, I think there's probably six or seven um, females in that one, mm-hmm. and there was probably a bunch of maybe about twenty or so of us. And then um, yeah, got off onto the run and uh, was sort of still up there until it got a bit. Um, yeah, probably about 10k into it, I sort of lost sight of a few of the girls, just got a bit too um, technical and, and rock climbing and I was a bit slower on that. Um, but yeah, it was, it was heaps of fun. Um, and then on the kayak, yeah, I felt pretty good um, and just probably 5 or 6k to go, my um, foot pedal um, broke so the the strap that was holding it up had just loosened over the course of the paddle and so I lost my steering and then in hindsight I probably should have stopped to tighten it up but I you know you could see the finish line of the finish of the kayak so just kept going trying to to steer through the braids without the rudder and then I actually got caught in a in a strainer so there was a sort of a, a overhanging tree and because I was a bit slow to steer without a rudder just and the flow of the water was pushing me that way. Got got stuck in a strainer and then when I pulled the spray deck off to get out to un, undo the to get the boat unstuck, yeah. the boat filled with water and then I had a a boat that was heavy and stuck in a tree and yeah, so it took me um, a fair while to untangle myself. All as I said, within sighting distance of of the end of the kayak. But yeah, yeah it was. It was good. Probably gave me a bit of extra motivation on the last bike ride, um, which is theoretically it is all slightly downhill, but you always have um, a, a strong headwind because something to do with the hot air rising in the mountains and then the cold air from the coast coming in. So you always have that lovely um, easterly wind to finish. So yeah, I was sort of quite. Um, yeah motivated to push hard on that last bike as well which is good yeah yeah i hate that um there's certain places there, there's a place called spearfish canyon here in the hills and i've probably ridden it a 200 times and i and i remember once when i had a tailwind going down it like, yeah i was like just you know it's like a 20k no 30k you know one of those you know big gear push hard but yep. yeah, you always have that stupid headwind. And <laughs> so. the other the other part about the last ride is that it's on um, 26 kilometres of that last ride is on New Zealand's longest straightest road. So there's 26 kilometres with absolutely no turns. Wow. And so, um, yeah, you just gotta keep your head down, stay down in your aero position, and and just watch the numbers tick off because it's not much yeah. else to do really. Well, if there's somebody in front of you, at least you can. You can see them a long them. way in the distance. Yep. So <laughs> yeah. I had a couple of people in so, the distance that I was chasing down, and yeah, you could see them for a long way on that big straight. Yeah. So, is the hardest transition the kayak to bike? Um. Yeah, I think that probably is the hardest, just to get you know different leg muscles. Will get your leg muscles working quite a different way from what they would be in the kayak. Yeah. Um, that's probably the main one. The, probably the, one of the most crucial ones would be that very first transition from that short run to the bike to make sure you don't miss the bunch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that is time-saving techniques, I guess, for all of the transitions, really. But yeah, that that like, yeah. that kayak out of the kayak is definitely the hardest, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So is this um, since it's a bucket? race bucket list race is it something you think you might want to do again is one of those things that went good i definitely yeah no it went good and i was absolutely stoked with the the whole race and enjoyed the whole experience and um yeah i guess it's a known quantity now rather than being an unknown and being a bit more scary so yeah i'm sure i will definitely be doing it again um whether that's next year or not we'll see i think my sister who was support crewing for me is definitely keen to do it as well and um, yeah I think there was quite a number of Australians who were doing this race particularly in the men's Mm -hmm. um, and they did quite well there was three inside the top 10 
in the men's, um, including Alex Hunt, who came second, and James Predder, who came third. And so that's probably just created a bit of momentum to get a few more Aussies across yeah. next right. year. So, yeah. yeah, whether I'm support having to support crew to pay back um, what my sister did this year or whether I'm racing, I'll, I'm sure it won't be my only time that I'm actually racing the, the event. Yeah. Is this, um, with all those Australians, is this, is it becoming more, is, is that more Australians than normal? Um, I think it's probably potentially more than last year, but there's always, um, you know, it's not, I guess it's just across the ditch for us, so it's not too yeah. far to travel. Um, uh, and so there's always, yeah, a, a few, a good number of them as well, I think. Okay. I'm not sure the exact numbers, but I guess in the circle that I've sort of trained and raced with, there's, there was definitely a few there this year. Yeah. yeah, I'm thinking there is just because there's three or four or five names, people that I know from Australia racing there, and I don't and, and I don't remember seeing that like in in previous years. So. Yeah, I mean, as I said earlier, I think it is definitely more attractive to international athletes now that there's some you know the the run course is marked quite well yeah and even on the kayak leg there was a few directional just a couple of directional arrows for some of the braids um you know like stay right of this channel or whatnot um so there was even a in one point in the gorge there was a whiteboard next to some of the um, marshals with a, a chicken line and an arrow so that you could sort of take this chicken line, I guess, and avoid one of the bigger um, bluff corners. So, yeah. yeah, I think they are trying to make it more fair for everyone, um, which is good. Yeah. Well, I mean, how else are you going to get international you know, yeah. people to yeah. come and with? If, if you're going to call it the World Multisport Championships, it's it should be... Um, That's true. Yeah, you don't want to have too much yeah. local local advantage. It's certainly, yeah. you know, the more you train on the course, it's definitely going to be an advantage. But, um, yeah, you've got to minimise that a little bit, I guess. Yeah. You know, for an international athlete, it's not only, you know, you've got to hire a boat, but you've got to get some support crew over there and logistics just of, you know, hiring cars or various bits of equipment and accommodation and all that sort of stuff. So it's, it's sort of a big... Um, a big effort to do the whole yeah. thing, but as I said, very, certainly something that I've wanted to do for a while. Yeah. Is it um, is it harder than an international adventure race? The logistics. Um, I th- I think initially it was just a bit of the unknown. Like I didn't mm-hmm. quite understand why you had to do a one k run at this one and why this transition worked the way it did, but then going over the course last year it just seemed to make a bit more sense um, and put, sort of put it all into perspective so oh, I think doing any sort of international race is always a little bit harder isn't it in a yes. race that whole travel factor um, so and I guess when you're doing uh, an, inter- an adventure race you've got a team with you to all sort of share that logistics yeah. um, and that was good this year there was quite a few people that I've raced with before that were doing it so we all sort of could share tips on you know um, one one guy booked accommodation for us all at the near the start and then yeah we sort of all were sharing tips about where we're staying and how we're gonna work out certain things and even you know the day before just when we're all sorting out our nutrition for the day and how we're gonna sort out drinking systems or what food you know having that communal sort of um chat together was was quite useful i think yeah well it's just that group it's it kind of just makes it more fun doesn't it than being there by yourself yeah (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, did the race did you do any kind of specific training or just your normal every day seven workouts a day training yeah um i probably just did a bit more um longer kayaks than i would normally Mm -hmm. a bit more time with boat and yeah, I still do sort of a few triathlons and stuff, but I certainly sort of dropped my swimming down a lot more um, just to fit the kayaking in. Whereas uh, for an adventure race, I tend to, just from a time efficiency point of view, um, often will use a swim squad or two 
to keep that kayak fitness, but it doesn't take as much time as it does to go put your kayak on the car, find somewhere to go, paddle, put it back on the car and get home. So um, you often keep a bit of sweat, a fair bit of swimming in just to keep kayak fitness. But for this race, yeah, I, I sort of dropped a lot of the swimming to, to focus a bit more on the kayaking. Yeah. And I guess as well, um, yeah, I sort of train with the triathlon squad, so I always do a bit of time on the time trial bike. But, um, yeah, which is maybe not what a lot of other adventure athletes would do. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, even looking in the transitions, you know, that from the run to the bike, that wasn't such a, a stress for me because that's what I often do in triathlon. You know, I'm used to having shoes on the bike and getting on quickly and stuff. So, yeah, that was probably a good thing. It worked in my favour, that the road bike element to it. Mm. So, um, what's what would be the best background? If, if somebody had never done coast to coast, who would have the best background? A triathlete, adventure racer, a road biker? Uh, I, th- I think you've, you've got to get the kayak community. You know, you spend a lot of time in the kayak. Okay. It's a long yeah. kayak and you're already fatigued when you get in there. So mm-hmm. if you take a couple of swims, you're going to lose a lot of time quickly. Um, so yeah, you definitely want to have done a bit of kayaking and know how to read a river and, and all that sort of stuff. So you definitely want to have some kayaking in there. And, yeah, the mountain run is also, in terms of the amount of time that you spend out there doing it, and the time that you could lose is also quite important um, to do. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're probably, yeah. So I guess a trail running athlete who can kayak mm-hmm. and then has had a bit of can then do a bit of practice on yeah. on a road bike. Yeah. So not an adventure racer because everybody knows the only time they kayak is during a race. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends if uh, you know, I, I do a lot of kayaking with a, a squad down here, Peak Adventure, and that's sort of primarily a kayak squad. So yeah. I'm probably around a lot more kayakers than, than maybe the typical adventure racer elsewhere in other countries. We have yeah. you know, good access to kayaking, so it's quite easy for us to do it regularly, yeah, and you, I guess. Yeah, and you got those crappy beaches and yeah, worthless ocean and great places like that, so why would you kayak? So, Absolutely. Um, okay, kayak question. And I think I know the answer, but I what's a downwind race? Uh, so yeah, so downwind um, is more for the ocean and um, you, you obviously pick the direction of the wind and go that direction so you can then there's a quite an element of skill involved um, in terms of catching catching the waves and then linking one wave runner onto the next wave runner to keep your speed up high so yeah it's definitely um, definitely a skill and, and probably not something that that I'm very good at I sort of come more from a river kayaking background mm. and the, most of the kayaking that I do is um, on the bay yeah. in Melbourne so um, and often in the morning when the wind isn't as high anyway um, whereas sometimes in the, in the afternoon and evening the wind will pick up so you can get a bit more just with the downwind um, but yeah it's the, there's uh, quite a lot of downwind races that you can do yeah. um, a few famous ones and I know a group went over to Mauritius um, from Melbourne this year to do some downwinder training and that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it's a, certainly a different um, type of kayaking, I guess. No. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, it, it sort of explains itself, but I kind of was wondering. So, because. Yeah, it's, is, the is, skill yeah. is to keep your boat speed up by yeah. linking one, one wave onto the next wave and not having that sort of slowing down time in between. So once you're on a wave, it's quite good, but then you've got to work out how to get onto the next wave to keep yeah. moving forward. So, that's cool. Well, you know, since I'm a member of the Melbourne Paddlers Facebook group, I see it all the time. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's often be, you know, a message going around on like a, on a Friday. Winds, you know, with a photo of the wind weather forecast. Winds up tomorrow, downwind is on at this time from here. So then, you know, people organising their car shuttles from the start and the finish. Who's going to leave their car at that end? How are we going to get the kayaks back? All that sort of yeah. thing. So, so yeah. um, 
when you kayak as a group, do you actually get kayaking? And I and I ask because I've gone with Paulette to like whitewater parks in Colorado, and yeah. I literally watched a group stand in the parking lot for like four hours with all their stuff on, their boats there, and they never got in the water. Yeah. No, um, we, we um, Jared Kohler and Peak Adventure run some good squad sessions down in um, Melbourne, and so, um, yeah, they're quite quite well organised, and, yeah, you're definitely on the water for a good good hour, hour and a half. Um, yeah, so that would be more paddling than, than standing around. Don't, don't get me wrong, though, there's still a bit of sledging that goes on on the water, and... Um, one of the sessions he runs it a bit like a, a boot camp, so you might paddle a bit of a short lap, and then come into the beach and do some tire drags or kettlebell swings or push-ups or something. And then there's a bit of sledging between the local teams down there, and then back out for another paddle leg, and then next beach activity and stuff. So yeah, it's a good environment, I think. And, and, yeah, um, so a group of people. The, when when the very few times that I go out, I'm like, hey, I can just sit here and do nothing, and I'm kayaking. I, yeah, that part that part of kayaking I like. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, when we're with the squad as well, it does get a bit competitive sometimes. Yeah. I guess you know who should normally be in front of you and who should be behind you, and you're always trying to catch those people in front and not the people behind you catch. And yeah, so um, I think that that always it's always easier when you're in a group and you've yeah. got that accountability I guess yeah do kayakers are there kayakers that um, well the term in, in cycling is half wheel are, are there kayakers that always have to be a half a boat ahead of everybody else and do you um, have a bad name for them <laughs> no I mean we we often will practice trying to sit on everyone's wash as well so um yeah, that that's sort of a good good to practice when you are in a group is sitting on wash and and that sort of thing and um, so yeah I don't I'm sure it is a thing and some people definitely like to stay out in front and be out in front yeah but um, yeah it's probably, you know it's, it's much easier to wash ride when you're kayaking <laughs> so it doesn't really it sort of backfires on the person who's out in front then doesn't it Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's just the opposite. So they yeah. they'll ride they'll ride half wheel behind you and be annoying. Yeah, yeah, that's a better. <laughs> Better strategy, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Save energy, and just before the finish line, come yeah. past to save energy. Yeah, well, you don't make many friends that way. <laughs> no, but you yeah. do win races, so you know. That's true. There's the trade-off. <laughs> so, um, what have you been doing for the last like 14 months since XPD Worlds, which the last time? I get to hang out with you a little bit, anyway. I'm the same, yeah. same part of the country. <laughs> yep. Um, yes, I've done a couple of races over in China, uh, stage races, and then, um, yeah, really just sort of, I guess, doing a few little races back here. Um, the A1 series in Australia has, has really taken off, which is good. Um, the X Marathon was the first event this year, which was only uh, three weeks ago, mm. and I was about doing it uh, and then backing up the coast, but I sort of decided not to, so in the end I was volunteering at one of the checkpoints, mm. which was um, heaps of fun and, and a good decision not to race because it's a 48-hour um, race and it was very hot, um, and Serge and Maria from Adventure Junkies put on a really always put on a really good at that tough race so yeah I think it would have been a big call to do that race and then back up and and have the day that I wanted to have at post so I know uh, Rob Preston did back up and he did very well in the in the men's he came 10th so um, he, did, he did a good job but I took the soft option and and volunteered at one of the checkpoints um, which was yeah I had heaps of fun they had uh on one of the mountain bike legs, they had to cross over the Snowy River um, and use a pack raft to get their bikes across the river. So mm -hmm. I was sort of down at that checkpoint and I got to watch the whole field um, with all their different strategies, learn how to get four bikes with one pack raft across the river and then bring the pack raft 
back to me um, at the start. So, yeah, that was a very entertaining checkpoint, just seeing, you know, how the top teams did it and just no fuss, just got their four bucks on, everyone else swim, push it across, go, and, you know, mm-hmm. in and out quite quickly. And then the team sort of further back, you know, would have a 15, 20-minute discussion about what they were going to do and how they were going to do it before they actually, actually did it. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it was, it, it's just always interesting I think I was yeah it was a very very uh I thought, thought I should get my popcorn out at some point just to watch <laughs> so is but is um do you I mean obviously you learn something doing that but did you or when you volunteer or do volunteer are you looking for new things from like top teams or even from any team um, well, I mean, or did you yeah, just kind of like realize learn, you were you learning some of the you, you learn some of the strategies, and I think the the basic lesson from that checkpoint in particular was it didn't really matter what your strategy was, whether you went all four bikes on one kayak or did two trips with two bikes each or whatever, as long as you whatever your strategy was, you just got there and did it straight away. That was going to be the most efficient. Um, and I guess, you know, I've known from other races as well that one of the big differences in terms of transitioning is that the top teams are much more efficient at doing it and the back marker teams just take a lot longer and, and waste a lot of time not moving forward. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you, I think you always learn from doing a race and you always learn from watching a race and you always learn from reading race reports about a race. So, yeah, it's always different mm-hmm. situations, I think. Yeah. Yeah, um, so you did a couple of stage races in China. Is 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 that um, growing? Is it getting bigger the stage races, or is it kind of at a at a point where it's going to be? What do you? How's your feeling about that? Yeah, I think I think it probably is at a point where it's going to be at the moment. I don't yeah. think it's probably got heaps bigger in the last couple of years that, that I've been doing it. Um, it's certainly a little bit more organised. Um, the distances that quote seem to be more accurate. The time estimates that they seem to be more accurate. So that's that's good. Um, there's sort of some hiccups in the first sort of one that I did. It didn't seem as well organised, but they're certainly you know they're rolling those out much yeah. smoother now, which is good. Um, and it's always yeah a good atmosphere over there, hanging around with the other athletes and um, yeah, I guess a lot of the people that we were racing against in coast to coast, I'd sort of known them only really from the China races, so yeah, that was that was good as well Yeah, is it Yeah. Oh, go ahead No, no, that's fine Oops, are you there? Yep, yep, still here Okay, Um, is it kind of the same Group of people that do the China races, or is, it is there yeah, more people? I think there is, and there'll be some. It's been similar groups that, that do really well in those races, and then people come in and out to try them and and that sort of thing. So yeah, it's it's a good circuit, you know, and it's good following when when you know the other teams and you've raced against the other teams in a few of those races before then you're always trying to think of you know various little strategies and tactics to to beat that team because you know what their strengths and weaknesses are so yeah, yeah. always always an adventure over there yeah um how many how many races would it take in china for a new team to be competitive because i'm sure there's a huge learning curve there is, but there's also, you know, um, often there's a little bit of an element of navigation with, they normally do a stage that's got some GPS navigation, but it is a lot of, um, effectively a bit of a time trial really, so you want to have that, if you've got a, the right team with um, a, enough ability, then there's no reason why they couldn't do well on the first time, I think, but um yeah, I think a couple of races under your belt at least definitely give you more of an advantage. Yeah, because I'm thinking travel and just dealing with traveling to China has got to be got to take a few trips to get used to that. Yeah, and you know the just 
sometimes things happen in China that you you never think you just don't know how it's, it's going to all work out and it, somehow it just does you know your bike hasn't arrived and somehow it gets there the night before the race or yeah things yeah. like that so yeah. it's just China that's what we sort of say yeah. you know it's, it's, it's just happening. China yeah <laughs> so um, there's a pretty you know Sleep Monster just reported that it, per- it appears that the 2019 Worlds are going to be there do you think um, they're ready to put on a world championship, AR? Um, well, I, I guess we'll see soon. Won't we? They've had yeah. a, a bit of practice now with that. I think that Altay's been going on for two years, and then this will yeah. be its third year. Third. So I'm sure that Craig and Louise will, you know, they've got enough experience to help out and get it going that way. So, yeah, I think... It, It'll be it'll be certainly interesting. Yeah. Um, well, people certainly seem to enjoy racing there. They keep going anyway. Yeah. Yep. So, it's a um, nice place, country, really. Yeah. Well, and I guess that is kind of a person probably shouldn't say China because that covers a lot of different areas, yeah. and you know, so. It's kind of like saying but the United the States. Stage races are in very different areas of China yeah. as well, so there's some quite big regional differences. You know, not only in terrain, but in just the yeah, the location of them as well. So, yeah. So, your guys's summer is coming to an end, but what's what's the races racing season like, and what do you have planned for? Um, so I am uh, jumping into XPD, which is in middle of March, mm-hmm. and that's in Tasmania. Um, so it's sort of just after Godzone, I guess. So I'll be dot watching Godzone and then doing XPD, and then um, yeah, just talking about uh, potentially going to do the demonstration race in Japan, um, which is in June sometime. So that's sort of just the most recent one we're sort of sorting out and then I guess we'll see from there see what happens from there I'm sort of open after that so So is is there a lot of uh, talk about the the Japan race people interested Um, uh, no no, I've not really heard much about it and literally it's just um, got an email last week about it and sort of jumped at the chance because I've not been to Japan before so um, I think that's probably that's why I'm, I'm quite keen to do it. You know, um, mm. I have done the China Alte race either, but I have been to China a few times before. So probably the Japan one appeals to me a bit more, and they're around about a similar time, I think. So, so. yeah, yeah, because I'm not. Um, I haven't heard anything. Excuse me, any U.S. teams? Not that I hear everything, but. So, but yeah, I, I've seen some of the um, teams already entered, and it seems there's not a heap of international teams that have entered. Yeah. Um, well, a it's a new race, that. right? And it's yeah. not, it's and a long a ways to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, so are you thinking about worlds though in reunion? Well, I guess we'll see how we go at XPD yeah. first, um, and then. Um, yeah, plan from there and see what happens. Yeah. It's certainly, um, yeah, it's, it does seem like quite a a different place to do a world. And, and the you know, I, I speak a bit of French, so that would be quite, quite good to go over there and do that. But, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll wait and see how I survive XPD first, I think. <laughs> Oh, I I think you'll probably survive just fine. Yeah. <laughs> so who are who are you racing with? I'm racing with um, sort of a mixed team from um, Australia, sort of from various teams in the past. But um, Tom Chadburn, um, and who's been doing a lot of the A1 series races in Australia last last year, and then uh, with Peak Adventure he was racing with, and then um, Damon Girk who is yeah, a long-time adventure racer in Australia and has done um, most of the GeoQuest races, if not all, I think. Um, and then 
Dave Slosh, who is from uh, up in Queensland. So, yeah, we sort of all know each other from racing, but we've never raced as a team, all four of us together before. So it will be, yeah, I think it will be a good team. I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, sounds like it should be fun. Um, I'm almost done. I'll let you get back to your real life. But yeah. <laughs> what? how's the A1 series doing? People seem to, is it, seems to be popular from what I see, but how how's how's it look yeah, on the I ground? Yeah, I think it's been um, super popular in Australia and it has been really good for adventure racing in Australia in that uh, it's got more people to each of these events because they want to do the whole series and so mm-hmm. more teams have done a bit more travelling to get to these events that aren't so close to where they live because they want to do all of them. Um to get series points and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I think it's been really good for the individual races themselves to build their um, awareness and, and that sort of thing. And, you know, that helps with the branding and, and getting more people into the sport as well. So, yeah, that, that, that's – I think, you know, that awareness is a big thing. And even amongst the triathlon club that I do a bit of training with, you know, there's there's been a lot of people who have got into kayaking and who have started doing some of these – smaller adventure races as well um, so I think it's just a matter of time really um, once you've sort of heard about it you know see one watch one do one sort of thing isn't it yeah exactly so well cool so it sounds like um, it's adventure racing is is on the upswing there too yeah hopefully I mean you know just even with the tracking and the social media that sort of come because of the pooling of resources I think that's definitely um been a good thing so well that is i'm done i've i've okay. learned everything i know except <laughs> next year if bernadette does it then then i'll have her on yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's only fair right absolutely yeah i've so, got one up on her at the moment. there you go so well thanks for the chat it was lovely no thanks for your time it's good to chat to you as well all right well I don't know when I'll see you again, but one of these days. Yep. All right, thanks. All right, we'll have have fun at the Belize race. I will, for sure, even if I have to go in the cave. Yep. (laughs) Okay, bye. Okay, bye.